joyful, joyful we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above. Melts the clouds of sin and sad. Thank you for joining us for this program from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our program with others. Now, we take you to the service of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. At the beginning of the year, we started our very first series on the idea of faith and growing in our faith. We started in Hebrews chapter 11 talking about extraordinary faith and the idea that as Christians, uh, we need to raise up or rise up to the occasion. Here was kind of our idea behind this series. Ordinary people become extraordinary when they rise up and meet the challenge before them. And we went through that chapter of Hebrews 11 and looked at a lot of, well, really all of the instances where different faith moments, different challenging moments came to these individuals and they looked at them, they faced them, they overcame them with God's help, with God's strength, with God's power. And we talked about how important it is for us as children of God to have that type of extreme faith. But it's one thing to say that we must have this faith. It's another thing to actually live it and develop it every day. Which brings us to this idea with the book of James. James is a book that is about taking your faith and living it every day. Uh, it doesn't do us any good to just come into this room and talk about the things that we need to do. It doesn't do any good for us to just say, yes, we need to have this kind of faith. We need to be these type of people and never talk about kind of the nuts and bolts of how to accomplish that and how to live that every single day. <coughs> and so that is what we're going to do. I'm going to let Jonathan change this out real quick. As you open up the book of James, though, I want to talk, tell you what James is going to do for us. The lessons that we're going to kind of learn from this series, it's not necessarily the, the lessons of the series, but what we learn from the book of James. James will help you with your struggles. Raise your hand if you have struggles. Raise your hand. All of us have struggles, right? <coughs> all of us deal with things. All of us have issues that we have to face. We have challenges that come up every single day. James is going to help us figure out how we overcome those struggles with our faith. Uh, he's going to talk about giving us godly wisdom. He's going to advise us how to use our words in proper ways. He's going to uh, show us how faith and works work together. He's going to help us relate to each other in love and how to handle our wealth. He's going to deal with all of those things in this particular book. So... Go with me to James chapter 1. James chapter 1 will begin with the first few verses here. Verses that you've heard me preach from. Verses that if you've been around me very long, you know the very beginning of James. is some of my favorite uh, scriptures in all of, uh, of all of the Bible. He starts, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So here's the first idea. that, And this is really kind of the overarching theme of all of chapter 1. James is written in a way where you read a section, you, you, you contemplate it, then you go to the next section and you kind of read it in light of what you just read. So this 
first couple of verses really is the overarching of all of it, okay, and gets us from here to there. And, and, and so once we understand this, the rest of it all kind of falls into place. But here, here's the idea. You are going to face troubles. You're going to face troubles. And here's the difficult part. That's a good thing. You're going to face troubles, and that's a good thing. How many of you look at that and go, I, I can agree with that 100%? How many of you? Okay, just a handful of you, all right? J just the ones that have come to wisdom and maturity, right? That's, that's a, Kevin, that's, that's your group, wisdom and maturity, right there, right? What James is saying here, though, is that it's, it's a good thing when we face trials because trials help us grow and help us develop. I found this saying this week, and I thought it was, Right, right along with what we're talking about. Trials from the gymnasium is where strength is developed. Trials from the gymnasium is where strength is developed. Now, you can look at me and you can tell that I don't spend a whole lot of time in the gym. I spend a whole lot of time at the buffet, but not the gym. There are certain people that you look at them and you know, hey, look, those people, they, they spend time in the gym. They spend time uh, taking care of their body in a very specific way. They, they take time uh, exercising. They take time lifting weights. Now, one, one of the things and one of the reasons that I don't spend a whole lot of time in the gym is because when I go into the gym the next day, I always hurt. I always hurt. And they're always like, hey, if you just keep going, you'll quit. And I'm like, I, I've, I've never gone long enough to get to the point to where I quit hurting after I go to the gym. Y'all, I hurt after painting a wall in the house, okay? It's where I've gotten to in my life. But here, here's the idea that our, our trials that we face in our life are really our faith gymnasium, that that is where our character is developed, that is where our maturity is grown, that is where our wholeness and our holiness is developed. It is in the trials of life, in the gymnasium of challenge, that we become the people that God wants us to be. The difference is, in Christians and non-Christians, is how we look at these moments of faith. Non-Christians, and, and, and really and truly Christians do this too, but Christians who live in faith and Christians who just kind of go to church, I guess you could say. Christians who just kind of go to church and, and non-Christians look at struggles and they go, man, I can't deal with this. I can't handle this. This is too much for, for me to deal with. This is miserable, this challenge or this situation. It's making my life miserable. I don't want any, just, just make the struggles go away. Just make the struggles go away. But when we're in Christ and we're living by faith, we look at our challenges and we go, we got this, God. You're on my side. I've got this. I know that I can come through this. I know there's a purpose for this. We should never look at life and go, man, life is miserable right now. We should never look at it and go, there's no way that I can get through this. Because without resistance in our life, there is never any growth. Without resistance in our life, there is never any growth. Uh, this is a picture, if you can see it, this is a picture of what's called a penguin suit. Anybody ever heard of the penguin suit? Nobody? Good, I get to teach you something new today. When, um, when Russia was developing their space program and long-term um, 
uh, space exploration where they were in space for, for extended periods of time, six months to a year. They were learning that as their cosmonauts came back to Earth, they had lost muscle, they had lost a lot of muscle mass because they were just kind of floating around up there, zero gravity, there's no resistance. And it was very detrimental to the health of the cosmonauts that were going into space. So Russia created what is now known as the penguin suit. And although you can't see inside of this, this is one of the original suits they developed. And inside of these suits is a system of rubber bands so that no matter which way they would move in space, they always dealt with some type of resistance. Without that resistance, their body just kind of faded away. But with those rubber bands, with that resistance, their body continued to stay strong. It continued to be strengthened. And as we grow in our life, we have to understand that trials and challenges they have to be a part of it. If you want to go from ordinary faith to extraordinary faith, a challenge is going to take place in that process somewhere. So when we face those trials, let's look at those trials and go, okay, this is a moment of growth. This is a moment where God says, you're fixing to be better on the back end of this than you are the front of this. And let's find joy in that moment. Now let's move on. Let's go to chapter 1, verses 5 through eight together. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. All right, so here's what we learn. Here's what we learn here. Ask for God's wisdom and expect that he will give it. Ask for God's wisdom and expect that he will give it. Let's, let's connect the dots for just a moment. All right? Find joy when you're in struggles. How in the world do I do that? How in the world do I look at challenges and problems in my life and go, man, I'm happy that this is going on. He says you do that by looking at it through the wisdom of God. You ask God, God, I'm in this moment. I'm in this challenge. I'm really struggling right now. Give me your thoughts. Give me your strength. Give me your power so that I can look at this in a joyful manner. Because on our own, we're not going to. On our own and by our own strength, I don't think we look at challenges. It's just not in our nature to look at challenges and go, great. Let's keep going. Let's have more. No, 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 no. But when we face those challenges and we start to doubt, when we face those challenges and we start to struggle, when we face those challenges and we start to feel defeated, that's where God's wisdom comes in. And he says, pray and ask him for it. Pray and ask him that he will give you the wisdom to see what he's trying to accomplish in the middle of the trial. And I think that's an important perspective, that there is a purpose to the trial. There is a reason for the trial. There is something that you are going to learn that God wants you to figure out in the middle of that challenge, in the middle of that trial. So ask God, God, give me the wisdom to see the bigger picture here. Give me the wisdom to see what's going on. Now, I'm not going to see it on my own, but teach me what you need to teach me. Help me to be just, but just be still and know that you are God. And in that stillness, help me overcome. In that stillness, help me overcome. A lot of times in our challenges, in our struggles, 
stillness is the hardest thing to accomplish, isn't it? Because when things are out of kilter, when things are, are, are off center, when things are not lined up the way they're supposed to be, it is just in our nature to keep trying to fix it, to keep trying, you know, when we, when we feel kind of disrupted in our life, it's hard to just sit still and take a deep breath and go, oh, it's going to all be okay. Our body just won't let us relax. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that my wisdom will be there. My power will be there. My, my strength will be there so that you can find joy in these moments. But what's the key here? What's the key here? You have to what? You have to ask for it. You have to be proactive in the conversation. It's not just, oh, God's going to take care of it. I'm going to sit here and wait. He goes, no, we got to have a relationship here. we got to have some conversation. Come to me and talk to me about it. Share what the struggle is. Even though he knows, he's share with me what the struggle is. Talk to me about the challenge. Let me know what you're seeing. Let me know what you're feeling. And in that conversation, I'm going to hear you. And I'm going to give you the wisdom so that you can overcome and you can find joy and you can find happiness and you can find peace despite the challenges, trials, and upset times in your life. All right, let's keep going. Starting in verse 9. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, it, uh, its blossoms fall, and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. So here's this idea. Don't trust your stuff. Don't trust your stuff. So much of our wealth, and I'm not talking about wealth in just the terms of, of money, it's, it's all of these physical things that we have to have, that we feel that we have to continue to accumulate, we have to have more of. Really and truly, if we're not careful, they can be nothing but a distraction. They can be a distraction from our work. They can be a distraction from our family. They can be a distraction from our responsibility to God. They're just a distraction of what we really need to be focusing on. And... And here's, again, we're connecting the dots from one to the next. It's tempting to assume that our stuff can save us. When we're facing that challenge, when we're facing that trial, it's tempting to think that the things that I've invested in on this side of eternity, the things that I've invested in here on this earth, I'll have enough money, I'll have enough health care, I'll have enough... Um, you know, just, just name off the different things. I'll have enough of these things so that when challenging times come, I can lean on those things. I can rely on those things. But here's the thing. In the end, everyone faces trials. You will be tested, so learn to travel light. Learn to travel light. James says, really and truly, our things, our things are just, just going to disappear. Those things that we fill our life with, those things that bring us that great distraction, those things that we think will save us. He says at the end of the day, even while you're enjoying them, he says they're just going to disappear. They're not going to be there. You can't, you can't be firm in those things. You can't, find, you can't find true stableness in those things. So he says, just get rid of them. 
Not just, just go out and get rid of them, but, but get rid of them being a distraction. I've said, and I believe Scripture bears it out, there's nothing wrong with having. There's nothing wrong with being blessed. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy. As long as you use those things to bring honor and glory to God. He talks about that in 1 Timothy. Use those things to bring honor and glory to God. Whether it's a lot or a little, bring glory to God with it. But don't trust in it. Don't let it be the thing that you, you, you hook your life into, you sink your life into, and think this is what's going to save me. He goes, no, get rid of those things. Because they're, you're not going to find joy when you're facing challenges and the things that you're invested with are just disappearing. Rather, ask for wisdom so that you can see what God is trying to help you accomplish. Verse 12, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. So here's our next point from this text. Tests come from all around, but how you respond is up to you. So there's two words in, in this particular chapter that, depending on your translation, are, are translated different ways. Some, some translations take the first word at the beginning what we, that, that we're using as trials and uses it as temptation. That's an, that's an, older, an older translation um, of that, but it's in some of your Bibles. But that word itself is not the, the idea of temptation that we read in verses 12 through 16. That's, that's the idea of, of as I'm going through life, challenges just kind of come upon me. You've heard me use this illustration. It's as if I'm walking down the aisle here and people just start throwing tennis balls at me trials they just come at me and I, and I don't know where they're coming from okay that, that's the first one sometimes God puts those trials in our life to test us to help us grow to help us persevere the trials in and of themselves are not sinful the trials in and of themselves are not bad they may be difficult but they're not there to lead us into sin they're there to help us grow then he gets into this next section and he says look there's going to be times in your life where you are tempted by sin and in that moment, realize that God is not trying to entice you to do evil things. There is a difference between being tested by God and being tempted by sin. He's never going to entice you to try to do something evil or wrong or sinful. But a lot of times the reason we sin is because of our perspective. When our perspective is grounded in our stuff, and earthly wisdom, then we lean toward earthly thinking and earthly actions, which many times are sinful. When we focus on our stuff and think it's going to take care of us, when that stuff disappears, then our actions have nothing to be grounded in and they can become sinful. I believe what he's trying to get us to understand here, though, is you are responsible for your attitude. You are responsible for your temptations. Don't blame others. Develop your own steadfastness. Now, I even think, and this is a deeper conversation for later, but we'll just hit it on the surface a little bit. Sometimes we even want to blame Satan 
for our temptations. Well, Satan made me do that, man, you know. But James says in this passage that our, our sin comes from within us, comes from our own desires. I'm not saying that Satan isn't involved in that process by putting certain things and planting certain things in different places to distract us and get our attention. But he says, look, he goes, take responsibility for yourself and for your actions. Don't blame other people. You are responsible for your attitude when challenges come, when trials come, when temptations come. You are responsible for the attitude in which you go into that trial, challenge, or temptation. You are also responsible for your temptations. Don't blame others. Instead, instead, live your life in a way that develops a grounding in God. Live your life in a way that develops a grounding in God. How do you do that? Looking at challenges as joy, asking for wisdom, not being too high on your stuff. He's given us the formula here. He's telling us how to do it. But I want you to think for just a moment about this idea of attitude. It's so important. It's so important. Because with the right attitude, we can take any temptation... We can take any challenge, we can take any trial, and we can get from the front side of it, which is difficult, to the back side of it, and be in such a better place. And, and there's, a, there's two guys that I, I read about this week that I, that I, I love their story because of, uh, because of my own personal childhood, and that is William Hanna and Joseph Barbera. How many of you recognize those names? Yeah, you recognize those names, especially if you're my age and, 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 and somewhat older. So in the 1950s, these two guys were some of the greatest um, illustrators for MGM Studios. They did so many of their cartoons. And then all of a sudden in 1956, in one 20-minute phone call, their careers with MGM were over. They were over. And that was a moment that they had to decide, what are we going to do? How are we going to handle this? What's, what's this moment going to look like? What's my attitude when I go into this moment? And what did they do? They said, all right, we'll start over. And they developed Hanna-Barbera Studios. And as you can see, um, cartoon characters that so many of us grew up with and, and was part of our childhood and um, still exist in many ways today. And then some of our, our kids right now are looking at this picture going, who are these people? And so, um, to me, it's just an excellent example of, of attitude. And there's so many stories like that. So many stories like that of, I have this moment in my life, I'm facing this trial, I'm facing this temptation. How am I going to approach it? Am I going to be upset because God puts a challenge in front of me? Or I'm going to count it as joy. Am I going to blame other people when I mess up and go, well, if so-and-so hadn't have done this, or if God, no, no, are you going to look at it and it's going to be other people's fault? Or are you going to take ownership of it and go, you know what, that was me, my bad. I can do better. I can grow from this. I can overcome this. I can be forgiven of this, and I can keep walking in the light as he is in the light. We have to have that attitude as we look into those moments in our life. And then the last section of verses that we'll look at, starting in verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chooses to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Here's the last thing. 
trust the goodness of an unchanging God. Trust the goodness of an unchanging God. Every promise that God has ever made you, every blessing that he said he's going to give you, every moment that he says, I'm going to be here, you can take that to the bank. You can do whatever he asks you to do because you know that he's going to see you through it. The question is, do you trust him? Do you really believe him when he says you can find joy in your trials? Do you really believe him when he says, ask me for wisdom and I will give it to you? Do you really believe him when he says, when you don't have and you're humble, you're going to be put into a high esteem within the kingdom? Do you really believe that he's not going to lead you into evil? That you can lead yourself out of trouble by your own desires being pointed towards God and not the world? Do you really have that kind of trust in a faithful God? Because faith that works really and truly comes down to trust in God. If I have trust in God, I can be saved. If I have trust in God, I can make disciples. If I have trust in God, I can overcome challenges and find them joy. If I have trust in God, I can face my temptations. I can overcome them. I can live for God. And if I do fail them, I can trust he will still offer me forgiveness. I can get up, as David said. I can't see him anymore after his son's out. He said, I can't bring him back, but I can go to him. We can go to Jesus. We can go to God in eternity. Can you live your life in that way? If you have a faith that works, then those very things can and will happen. Let's close our lesson with a word of prayer. God, we thank you for giving us this opportunity to just come together today and to study and to pray together, to sing together, to gather around the table and remember the sacrifice of your son. We thank you for our teachers. We thank you for our students. We thank you for the moms and dads that made sure their kids were here today. We just thank you for so much about this church family. God, help us as we continue to walk this journey of, of growing in our faith this year through our, through our sermons that, that we will focus on having a faith that works, not just a faith that sits around, not a faith that is inactive, because those are not faiths. That's not, that's not faith at all. Help us, God, to have a faith that is working for you every single day. Help us this week, God, as we face challenges to pray for your wisdom and to pray for the joy that comes in that moment. Help us to see that, God. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thou art giving and forgiving, ever-blessing, ever-blessed. Thank you again for joining us, and please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or our podcast. We can be found on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast provider. Also, leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Mortals join the mighty chorus Wish and Twitter the morning stars began for the love Be sure to join us again and until then remember to love like Jesus man to man.